Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 20th, and our chapter for today is John chapter 6. Now, we're going to come back to John chapter 6 in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I want to give you what I did not give you at the beginning of the gospel. And that is an outline and a layout of the book. I told you that I would do that in an earlier podcast. And before we get any farther into the book, I want to do that. You see, the gospel of John is laid out very simply. And as we have already studied, the gospel of Matthew is the gospel of the king and the kingdom. The gospel of Mark is the gospel of the obedient servant of God. The gospel of Luke presents Jesus as the son of man, as all man, 100% man, and that he lived in obedience to his father by the power of the spirit of God. But the gospel of John is a real insight in itself into an apologetic that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. As a matter of fact, he is very clear and plain in the last two chapters of the Gospel of John as to why he wrote the book. Aren't you glad when these Bible writers tell you, this is why I'm writing this? And John does that in the Gospel of John chapter 20 and verse 30. He says, and truly, Jesus did many other signs, that's miracles, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, these what? These miracles, these signs are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christos, the Mashiach, the anointed one, the son of God, that he is deity, that he's God walking, God talking, God healing, God casting out demons, God feeding the 5,000, on and on. And that believing you may have life in his name. So the purpose of the gospel of John is to show that Jesus is God, that he is the son of God as he is presented. And that not just you would have a knowledge that he is God. I mean, the demons believe that, know that for certain, but that you might trust in him and have life in his name. Now, this is what it's all about. This is why John is writing this. And he wrote it episodically. He wrote it with this purpose in mind. He didn't give the details and the three-year life and ministry of Jesus every waking moment. No. As a matter of fact, he said... In the last chapter, the next chapter, the Gospel of John chapter 21 and beginning at verse 24 and 25, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Verse 25 says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did. See, the Bible's not complete in details. It doesn't tell us everything which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. And so the purpose of John is to show and prove beyond any reasonable doubt whatsoever that Jesus is the Messiah. And so he chooses out seven signs. He chooses out seven sayings. 
He chooses out seven miracles. He chooses out seven discourses. In other words, John, after he introduces Jesus, he picks out seven miracles that Jesus did that only God could do. Only the supernatural could do. And then he chooses out seven things that Jesus said that only God Almighty, the Creator, could say. And then the greatest miracle of all was his substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection. So if I were outlining the book, which I have, I would, in chapter one, I would label that as Roman numeral one, Jesus is introduced as God, as the creator. And I've already spoken some of that in previous podcasts. My second Roman numeral would be Jesus performs seven miracles or signs that prove he is God. The first miracle is he changes the water to wine at the wedding. It wasn't grape juice, folks. It was wine. The second miracle is the healing of the nobleman's son. That's in John chapter 4. The wine is in chapter 2. The third miracle is the healing of the paralytic, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 47. The fourth miracle is what we're going to look at today, the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6. The fifth miracle is walking on water, John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. The sixth miracle is the giving sight to the blind, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. And the seventh miracle is the raising of Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. And then there are seven discourses. This would be Roman numeral chapter 3. So Roman numeral chapter 1 is Jesus is introduced, John chapter 1. The second Roman numeral, Jesus performs seven miracles or signs that I just gave you in their chapters. The third Roman numeral would be Jesus gives seven discourses or sayings. Discourse number one is on the new birth, John chapter 3. Discourse number two is the water of life, John chapter 4. Discourse number three is Jesus asserts his deity, John chapter 5. That's verses 19 through 47. And discourse number four is... He is the bread of life. That's John chapter 6, verses 22 through 66. And then discourse number 5 is he is the light of the world. John chapter 7, verse 53 through 8, 59. Discourse number 6, the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 42. And then in discourse chapter 7, he speaks of his coming death in John chapter 12, verses 20 through 36 as the Messiah. And then Roman numeral four would be the recording of the passion events, that is, of his preparation during Passover, the miraculous things that happened throughout that entire episode of events, episodes. That includes John chapter 13 uh, and verse 1 through 1942, where various episodes, miraculous episodes in some cases, where Jesus died as our substitute. And chapter 20 would be Roman numeral 5, John chapter 20, verse 1 through 21, 25. That's his resurrection. Those would be my five points. So you have them there. I'll go over them one more time. Roman numeral 1, Jesus is introduced. Roman numeral 2, Jesus performs seven miracles and signs that prove he is God. Roman numeral 3, Jesus gives seven discourses that prove 
He is God by what he says. Roman numeral four, his passion is death, burial, and resurrection as a substitute for our sins. Roman numeral five is the actual resurrection account. Uh, the miraculous resurrection, John chapter 20, verse 1 through 21 through 25. And so I hope that is a help to you. All of these have many points under them because it's an entire book. But now back to chapter 6. After these things, this probably is at least six months after the Feast of Tabernacles in John 5, 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, this is a note for both a Jewish and a Gentile audience. Remember, the Bible is primarily written to the Jew, but Gentiles would read it as well. And so John is writing for both Jew and Gentile, so he calls it the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now remember, Herod Antipas, the one who killed John the Baptist, that Jesus called the fox that built the city of Tiberias, and it was his capital. He was over the Galilee. He named the city of Tiberias after the Caesar Tiberias. And so it is called the Sea of Galilee, number one. It's called the Sea of Tiberias, number two. The same body of water is called by the Jewish people the Lake of Gennesaret. And number four, the primary name, Kinneret, K-I-N-N-E-R-E-T. Some would spell it K-I-N-E-R-E-T, but it's Kinneret. That's the word that comes from the word harp, Kinnor, because of the shape, the geographical shape of the Sea of Galilee. It looks like an ancient harp. And so Kinneret is the little harp. It's It's a term of endearment. This body of water that we call the Sea of Galilee has four names, and I just gave those to you. But it is a freshwater lake. As a matter of fact, the lowest freshwater lake on the planet, 700 feet below sea level, the sea level of the Mediterranean. It is approximately seven and a half miles wide at its widest point, and it is 14 miles long from the time it runs in the Jordan River in the north at Bethsaida until it runs out at the tip, the southern tip, and uh, begins to meander its way down to the Dead Sea, the lowest point on earth. And so this Sea of Galilee is where Jesus performed and recorded at least seven 75% of his miracles that are recorded in the New Testament. Now on to verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him, and they followed him for various reasons. All of them weren't disciples. Some were there for healing. Some were there because of food. Some were there because of provision and other things. But a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed, on those who were diseased. And so they were taken up in it, much like the movements today where healings take place and and healing services. They're packed because people want relief. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now, Pesach, or Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test Philip, to test him. 
for he himself knew what he was going to do. I mean, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He wanted to see if Philip had any idea about what was about to happen. And Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii, that's about eight months' wages, in case you're wondering. Eight months' wages worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That means there were thousands, and we'll find out in just a moment how many, that every one of them may just have a little. Lord, if we spent a year's wages, we couldn't fill them all up, but eight months wouldn't even uh, do anything but give them a little. And one of the disciples, Andrew, who was the first to come to Jesus and bring Simon Peter, his brother, said unto him, there's a lad here, a boy, Potion is the word. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves. Now, barley loaves were inexpensive pita. That's the word for bread in Hebrew. And these were very small, about the size, not much larger than the size of a man's hand. These are not huge pita like we have, these pocket pita as such. And two small fish. But what are they among so many? And so this little boy had five little pieces of bread, and he had two small fish. Now, there are over 27 species of fish in the Sea of Galilee then and now in that freshwater lake. But the most prominent and dominant then and now, as it is today, is the freshwater sardine. It's about the size of my little finger. And so these were two small fish. They were very, very uh, plentiful then and now. That's why these fishing villages where Bethsaida is, which means house of hunter, Bet and then Sida, house of hunter, that was a fishing village that was up on the northern shore. And then around the northwest, you came to Capernaum. And then you had a Magdala, which was down near the Arbel Pass and the Arbel Mountain. And uh, that was a place where no doubt a lot of fishing went on because the name Magdala comes from the Hebrew word Migdal, M-I-G-D-O-L, Migdal. And that is the term for tower. Now, that was not a military tower. That was a fishing tower because you see, these sardines were close to the springs and the shoals along the shoreline. And there were many springs up and down that ran in and fresh minerals and fresh water. And that northern city of Bethsaida was right where all of that water ran in. And with all the nutrients from the the Mount Hermon and the Hula Valley and all of that. So these were the northwest quadrants where all the fishing villages were, and it's very simply the reason why that's where all the fish were. This tower, this city of the tower, Migdal in Arabic, Migdala, where evidently was so many fish caught in that area that they had a um, place to process these fish, to salt them down, and then sell them to the Romans and sell them up and down the valley. And so this is how they preserved them was with salt. We found ruins of that at Magdalene. If you go with me over there, I'll show those to you. where they had this center where they processed this fish. That may have been where this little boy got these. We don't know, but it was done all the way around that northwest quadrant and all around the lake, but especially in the northwest quadrant and especially Magdala. Magdala. That's where Mary of Magdala, called Mary Magdalene in our Bibles, that's where she came from. And Jesus would have been very familiar with that and no doubt preached in the synagogue there because the Bible says he preached in all the synagogues up and down around the lake. And so this little boy had two fish about the size of my little finger. Now, listen, a miracle would have been a miracle if he had fed 5,000 with two huge fish. But these were two small fish. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down a number about 5,000. 
men. Then Jesus took loaves. He took the loaves, these five loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, two small fish, to those sitting down, likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled up twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves that were left over of those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign, the miracle that Jesus did, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. What do they mean by the prophet? Well, Moses told the children of Israel uh, as they came out of the Egyptian bondage, he said, God is going to raise up a prophet. And uh, when he comes, you need to listen to him. In other words, he's going to be the Messiah. This prophet is the person who's going to bring you to where you need to be in right relationship with God. And so he's just referred to as the prophet that Moses spoke about. And so what they were saying is he's the Messiah. And they said, surely he did this because he's given us bread to eat. He's given us fish to eat. And uh, they recognized that a miracle of creation had been done. You see, Jesus created all of these fish and loaves because there wasn't even enough for one grown man to eat. This was the uh, lunch of a, of a little boy. And uh, it was a meager lunch at that. But Jesus took what was so little and he fed thousands of people. And the people that were there knew what was happening. This was a miracle, a God-sized miracle. And it showed Jesus as the creator. Now, we don't have time to show in the Gospel of John another sign, which was Jesus walking on the water. We can't go through every miracle, but I can tell you, God signs his name miracle. Don't be afraid of the miraculous. We are always trying to explain everything away in our materialistic, uh, secular mindset. Listen, we pray for God to heal people, and then God heals people, and we try to explain it away. We ask God for miracles, and God does a miracle, and we say, well, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I know what happened. If you're a child of God and God has blessed you and he's answered your prayer, just say, you see, the reason we don't want to say it is because people say, well, you know, there's some kind of crazy. They really believe in miracles. Well, I want to tell you, Tony Crisp believes in miracles. Call me crazy. Call me a nutcase. Try to get me certified. Others have done that. They fail so far. But I can tell you, I'm not crazy. I believe Jesus is a miracle worker, and he doesn't always heal people when we ask him to. He doesn't always do what we want him to. He's not some glorified cosmic bellboy. You can't name it and claim it with God, but if God names it, you can claim it. And if God says he's going to heal somebody, he does it. And he does that through the authentication of the word. So please understand that those of us who are followers of Jesus... We are following God himself, and he addresses everything he does and signs everything he does. Miracle. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. 
Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.